Welcome to the Wander Learn Podcast. I'm your host, Franz Tapon. Of course, you guys like to wander, right? And you want to wander all over the world. And some of you actually want to work around the world. And so that's what this episode's all about. I talk with an engineering manager at Norlayer that just created a survey that looked at 66 countries to see which ones were the most attractive for remote work. In this episode, we discuss quickly at the top which are the top five countries for remote working. The next thing we talk about is where's a good arbitrage opportunity. In other words, where you can get paid a high salary and have a low cost of living. And then we talk a little bit in the middle point about security, both physical security as well as internet security. Uh, toward the end there, we talk about what is Norlayer and what it can do. And finally, we talk about where you could find remote work. If you're looking for a remote job, where can you find it? What are some tips? And now let's listen to Carlos Salas, who's the engineering manager at Norlayer. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the findings that you have discovered at a high level, and then we'll dive a little bit deeper into it? Sure. Uh, we at Norlayer uh, did some research based on uh, countries and places that are best for working remotely. As you mentioned, uh, COVID was a big catalyst for a lot of companies to start going completely remotely, even at some point. Uh, so what's the best uh, solution for this when you're having people that are working all around the world? Well, it's, you still need to have them uh, interconnected into your headquarters, into your data centers, into your main offices, but in a secure way, of course. So, for example, countries that are... Um, like the internet is kind of controlled, like for example, China, uh, some Arabic countries in Russia, even North Korea. Uh, it's not it's a no-go for most companies because, I mean, you have your, your data in your computer and the, your data is going to travel into, I don't know, let's say the United States where you have your headquarters. You don't want that data to be uh, in, uh, intercepted while it's going there. So you need to be safe. Key takeaway for those who are impatient, but uh, I'll just list them. Number one is Germany. Number two, Denmark. Number three, USA. Number four, Spain. And number five, Lithuania. Tell us how you arrived to those um, metrics. I imagine you're taking into account not just bandwidth, but uh, kind of as you alluded to, the uh, ability to uh, make sure that you have good internet access and that you don't have a regime that could be spying on you, that could be a bad state actor, for example. Yeah, of course. Uh, we based our research in this uh, categorization in four main pillars, which are digital security and cybersecurity in general. You're not going to be spied on. You're not going to be, uh, your data is not going to be stalled. Socioeconomical um, attractiveness uh, for example, when you have, you can go and live there and live a normal life with not too much expenses and infrastructure is well maintained, uh, physical and digital comfort, because I mean, you're going to be working from another country, but, uh, uh, if you are safe digitally, you also want to be safe, uh, physically and you, and you also want to be like, I don't know, going into concert to cinemas. And of course you have to have all this infrastructure. And of course, finally, uh, COVID-19 response. Okay. And some of the other countries that made uh, were strong competitors in Asia and the Americas, you mentioned Singapore, South Korea, yep. Canada, and Japan. These are kind of like, 
in some ways, none of this is terribly surprising. Um, and just to confirm, the on the low end of the scale, African and Middle Eastern countries did not make it into the half top half of the ranking. You looked at 66 countries, and no yeah. African or Middle Eastern country even made it in the top half. And the worst of the 66 countries, doesn't mean the worst in the world, but the worst that you surveyed was Algeria. I'm in Morocco right now. I don't know where Morocco landed on the list, but and why Morocco do you think it is 60. that... 60 was Morocco. Okay, got it. So yeah. we're like just above Algeria, <laughs> six, six slots above Algeria. And do you think that Africa is lagging? Is it mainly because the bandwidth issue is the real thing that's holding it back? Because they don't, African countries in general don't survey and care that much. Maybe Saudi Arabia does in the Middle East, but in Africa, uh, and I, I don't know if Algeria does have any any kind of things, but in Africa in general, it must be a bandwidth issue and maybe quality of life issue potentially as well. Well, yeah, mainly it's uh, like an infrastructure issue. Uh, there's not enough uh, bandwidth for for starters, and also once you are trying to start uh, connecting securely, you need to go into your the nearest uh, secure server. And then in order from there to start jumping into your final destination. So the nearest one will be, for example, South Africa or mm -hmm. uh, Algeria, uh, Egypt, uh, Morocco, in those cases. So you will need to go farther in order to reach your destination, like uh, uh, internet wise. So it will mm -hmm. be slower if you just try to, to connect from there. Now, one of the things that a lot of people who are listening to this podcast and to this show are interested in is finding the arbitrage opportunities. And what I mean by that is a place that has a very low cost of living and then you can get paid a German salary or a U.S. salary and be able to live in, let's say, Costa Rica or something like that, where it has a relatively low cost. And I'm looking at your top five list. And although Spain is not, you know, it's kind of less expensive, but it's really not that less expensive. I mean, the only one of the top five is Lithuania. That kind of yeah. uh, that is 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 kind of attractive in that respect. Um, so, what do you think if somebody is trying to look to an arbitrage opportunity? And let's say they're working for Google or they're working for whatever company that's an international company, and they want to kind of really maximize a low cost of living, and at the same time um, be able to you know work remotely and really save a lot of money. Where would you tell them to go? Well, I think Lithuania is a great start point, a starting point, especially because, for example, uh, if you don't uh, speak more than one or two languages, let's say English and German or English and Spanish, uh, Lithuania has a high English-speaking level and a very low uh, cost of living. Like, uh, I was checking actually a few days ago, uh, comparing it to, let's say, Ireland, rents in Lithuania are almost 200% cheaper. 200% so cheaper? In other words, like 50% 50, 50 cheaper, you mean? Like 50% of the price? Uh, more or less, yeah. Yeah, right, roughly half the price. Roughly half the price, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, no, so, I believe it. I mean, I've been for, to Lithuania. I mean, it is much less expensive, certainly, than Ireland, for sure. And then you have Latvia, which is number 21 on the list, one of Lithuania's neighbors. And so um, those are two uh, 
opportunities. And then finally, Portugal looks attractive. I know Portugal is not only uh, relatively inexpensive in, in Europe, at least. The problem I have with your list is simply that almost all the countries are relatively high income countries and high cost of living countries. And so uh, it's like, well, what's the benefit? I mean, obviously, if I, I'm from I was born and raised in San Francisco, so which is a super high expensive city. Uh, but, you know, moving from San Francisco to Austria, I'm not I'm not really going to save all that much or to Luxembourg. I'm really not going to save that much in cost of living. So I guess somebody it just requires somebody goes to your website to look at the list and then just look at is there a way to adjust for cost of living and just prioritize cost of living as number one? Well, if we want to prioritize cost of living while not to uh, take uh, leaving behind, for example, uh, security and uh, bandwidth, we, uh, internet quality, but for that matter, uh, we can look into some South American countries. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, uh, Argentina and Chile are two options that are quite low in cost of living. They're not the mm-hmm. highest ones in, for example, security, but it's, uh, it's something that, for example, if you go, it's like, for example, in the United States in San Francisco. Hold on. Uh, when you say security, um, are, you're talking primary internet security or are you talking about physical security or both? Both of them. Both okay. of them. Yeah, because okay. uh, no matter if you are securely connected into your uh, headquarters, if you leave your computer unattended for five seconds and someone steal it, I mean, they're going to <laughs> to go away with your data too. So right. it's, it's uh, you need to be secure on both sides. Right. So, for example, um, as you mentioned, you were uh, born and raised in San Francisco. You, you more than anyone, knows that uh, it's a, a, a quite safe place to be, but there are certain zones that you will say, I wouldn't go there because I know mm-hmm. it's kind of uh, dangerous to be there at night or to be there uh, without like more people around me or something like that. So it's mm-hmm. the same in, in some South American countries like Argentina, sure. Chile, uh, mm-hmm. you for, first, well, first of all, you will need to do some research. And, okay, I want to be, to be living in this specific neighborhood that I know it's safe, that I know it's, mm-hmm. it's uh, okay to be living there for a foreigner. And, uh, yeah, that for example, those two, two countries, I would say Uruguay is also a very good uh, option. And right. one yeah. of the, the downsides is that... Um, Touristic countries are not always equal to uh, good to work from. So, Why is that? for example, uh, a big example is Mexico. I'm from Mexico. I was living there for more than 20 years and I was born and raised there. I will say that it's a wonderful place to visit, to be a tourist at. But uh, uh, security wise, like physical security, is not that great. And uh, cybersecurity is quite good, yeah. But uh, uh, Internet quality is not that good. So okay, so you're you Mexico's number fifty and on the list. Yep, it's mainly because of those two two main things: uh, physical security and uh, internet quality. Okay, so let me push back a little bit on that, Carlos, and let's talk. Let's say Mexico because it's a good example because I know quite a bit about Africa, for example, and many parts of the world, and. 
as you kind of correctly pointed out, San Francisco has some no-go zones. But same thing in Mexico. You know, just take the capital, for example. If you're in La Zona Rosa, which is the most expensive touristic spot of Mexico, I think you're probably going to be pretty safe. And then I know that there's a lot of expat communities where a lot of U.S. citizens have kind of overtaken uh, parts of, you know, I don't know, Cabo San Lucas, which I've never been to, but I'm going to imagine that there's a, a ridiculous amount of, of of expats who are living there. And I imagine the crime on the street there is probably minimal. So, and, and same thing, I think you're from Monterrey. Uh, there's probably zones of Monterrey, which is super chill and relaxed. I was thinking about buying a place in El Salvador, in the capital, San Salvador. And obviously, it's got a huge reputation of gangs, etc. But as I was researching it, there's certain zones in El Salvador that are completely safe and very, you know, you can walk around at night and all that kind of stuff. And so, does when when we talk about general security, I mean, there's ways around it. South Africa is is also a horrible place in many ways. But again, if you're, I've lived in South Africa for about six months in different parts. Again, it's all about where you choose to live, and and that can make a huge difference, huge difference about security. Um, my brother lives in Chicago. Same thing. Anyway, so kind of a, uh, isn't that one of the challenges in, in in trying to make a blanket statement about security? Yes, but for example, uh, once we are, as we were discussing before, let's say you are uh, working for Google or you're working for Facebook or a big company, Meta in this case, um, your risk team will have to assess if it's okay for you to be working, let's say, for example, from Mexico, where uh, the United States government and Canada's government, for example, they have already given... uh, travel uh, advises not to go there at this moment because of the insecurity. So then you have to put into balance, okay, I might, uh, he might be okay, my worker might be okay in that place, but he might not. And it's a risk that you as a company will have to to deal with. So that's mainly like, uh, why is there a blanket statement? Because yeah, there might be a, a super safe zone in Monterey, for example, where I'm from. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you're going to be like behind golden bars all the time, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. not going out anywhere because the, uh, traveling from point A to point B to two safe zones might go through some not very safe zones. So, right. yeah, that, that's why they like the blanket statement. I like your index. If you go to your webpage, and I'll have a link in the show notes, um, you can filter it by whatever your priority is. You can filter it by cybersecurity, economic and social conditions, digital and physical infrastructure, or COVID-19 response and pandemic response. So that's very useful. I wish that there was a way also to filter it by cost of living. That would be interesting, but I guess everybody can kind of do their uh, due diligence on that. On their own and so well actually um, it's possible to filter from cost of living uh, oh show me how go a little bit it's, it's just yeah if you just scroll a little bit down uh, there yeah. is a, a section where it says uh, select the country that you want to look more information at you click there and you have uh, another five sub uh, filters that are related to those four main ones that are general safety internet okay. quality tourism attractiveness cost of living, and finally, English proficiency. Okay, great. Yeah, all right. So I obviously didn't uh, dig that deeply into it. That's great that you guys have that feature. Um, Now, you live in Mexico, correct? I was living in Mexico for the longest time. Right now, I'm living in Lithuania, actually. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> That's funny that, that, uh, <laughs> that we just talked about Lithuania. Okay, great. And how is it there now? Is, are people, by the way, as a totally non sequitur, how are people talking about the whole Ukraine war there? Is it, are they very nervous or is it people relatively calm and nonchalant? Uh, people are relative, relatively calm. Uh, of course, the vast majority, at least all the people that I have talked with, support uh, Ukraine wholeheartedly. Uh, but there's a main like calm around because I mean part of NATO. Uh, they start messing with Lithuania. They are messing with the whole bloc. So it's not that simple. Like uh, we are going to get attacked at any moment. So it's uh, it's a very safe and calm situation here. Good to hear. Um, I was just in Estonia like a couple of weeks ago. They seem to be a little bit more nervous, but they've calmed down. They certainly got, they freaked out in February when the whole war started. Okay. And then last thing, tell us a little bit about Norlayer. It's, it's, why did you guys do this? And is it that your company helps build the infrastructure for other companies to get remote workers? Well, Norlayer, it's uh, mainly a connectivity tool, let's say. Uh, we can we have a VPN connectivity, but not only that, we also interconnect. For example, if you have two or three different offices, we create a, a so, what is called software-defined uh, a wide area network, in where you, for example, you connect from let's say Mexico, as we were discussing, uh, directly into your headquarters, and you can reach um, your data center that is in Estonia, but your headquarters is in Germany. And your main office, development office or sales office is in Los Angeles. So once you are connected in, with NordLayer into your organization, you can reach anything like if you were in, the, in that same office. So here's why I don't totally understand. Let's say instead of being in Lithuania, you're in Russia or even worse, and you're in North Korea. And you really fear that the government is snooping on you. I thought the internet through not just VPN, but other more secure methodologies and security measures could really block North Korea's ability to kind of snoop in onto your line. Is that not true? Or, and if, if that, if it, if they are able to do that, wouldn't satellite communication, let's say with a satellite um, internet, which uh, Elon Musk's little venture is trying to uh, provide people, wouldn't that also bypass any of the North Korean snoopers or there's no way to get around them. They're going to snoop no matter what. Well, let's say that you are in North Korea. North Korea have their own uh, internet. They are blocked from the outside world. So it might be a little bit hard to get out from there and connect into your VPN or something. But let's put a more realistic uh, scenario, China. China is always trying to, to attack this kind of like Nord, uh, uh, NordVPN or uh, NordLayer connections because uh, they want to know what's going on, what data is traveling back and forth, you know. So uh, what people do instead is, uh, instead of, for example, us, instead of having a, a server inside of China, which we will have to give access to the government, we have uh, servers outside. So you connect outside, like if you were connecting to Google or you were connecting to Facebook, and from there you connect to some other place, like in intermediary. And in those uh, servers, uh, there is no way of knowing who is connecting at the end of the, of the day to the final destination. So it's, it's an, another layer of protection. That's actually where the, nor the layer in North layer comes from. 
we start Got adding it. more and more layers of protection on top of that. And this, the price you pay as an end user is mainly probably speed. Uh, so that's why you need to have a high bandwidth connection because otherwise all this data sending back and forth is going to slow this, your YouTube video down. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends also a lot of um, what uh, protocols you are using. We manage some different protocols and we have our own uh, connection protocol, BPM protocol called Nordlinks which is uh, actually one of the fastest in the market right now. So the, at least with this new protocol, the uh, speed loss is minimal. So Right, but there's always going that, to be a speed loss, right? I mean, there's no way to get around. Yeah. I mean, there's no place. That, you have to, by definition, because you are sending yeah. data farther away than you need to if, than if you were going straight to everything, right? I mean, that's by definition, yeah, exactly. right? You the you the whole name of the game uh, is to third. minimize that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you are always going to have some latency, some, right. some lower speeds. But uh, yeah, with better and newer protocols, this low, uh, speed loss is going to be minimal. Last question I have to you. Let's say somebody's listening to this and say, wow, I really want to work remotely. I love this list. I'm inspired. I want to go out there and like, how do I find a job that's a remote job? Do you have any advice on that front? It will depend also on what type of uh, industry you're working at. Because you are, if you're working on manufacturer, most probably you're not going to be able to, to work from anywhere. But if, let's say, you are working on sales, you're working on, the, on IT uh, companies, it's quite easy to get a remote job because uh, if you're, let's say, a developer or a database administrator or system administrator, uh, it will be the same to be connecting from the office to the data center than to... Uh, the beach in Cancun and the, the data center. I mean, uh, right. you are going to go through the same uh, security measures in order to get there. Right. I agree. But my question is, is then what practical advice? Is there a particular website that, that you would send people say, here are a lot of job opportunities that are looking for remote workers or just basically nowadays everybody is kind of remote. I mean, it seems like after the pandemic, only a lot of companies are, are not even going back to office work, except for a few exceptions. Like I know Elon Musk with Tesla, he said, you know, either come to work or be fired. That's, those are your two options, but he's yeah. kind of an exception. A lot of, a lot of people are kind of left the remote option in place or, or people are going into the office maybe one or two days a week. That's it at best. But uh, so, but any practical advice as far as where exactly to go? What websites would you encourage or you're not sure? Yeah, well, uh, if you go to LinkedIn.com, for example, uh, you can filter jobs by remote. You can, okay. what type of jobs? Just only filter by remote. And if you are in the IT sector, uh, you can go to StackOverflow.com and in their job section, you can also filter by remote jobs. Excellent. That's great advice, Carlos. Thank you so much. Muchas gracias. And uh, we uh, encourage everybody to go out there and uh, explore the world. No matter where you are, you have no more excuses. You can work anywhere for a lot of people. Not everybody. Like you said, there are some exceptions, but, uh, but it's definitely changed so much thanks to this wonderful pandemic that we had. And that ends this episode of the Wander Learn podcast, where we explore travel, technology, and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we've talked about, go to wanderlearn.com and click on this episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember F Tapon. That's my first initial and my last name. F Tapon is always my social media username. My website is ftapon.com. Do you want to leave me an anonymous voicemail where you can make a comment or ask a question? 
then go to speakpipe.com slash ftapon. Furthermore, if you'd like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash ftapon. That's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. Now, five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the WanderLearn podcast. Two, download it. Three, share it. Four, review it. And five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon encouraging you to wander and learn.